Hey everyone, how's it going? This is Connor Devine. This is my podcast, Money and Plants. You're really welcome to series three of the podcast. April 2020, I set about this project and over the last 15 odd months, I have had 31 conversations with a range of really interesting people. Whenever I started the podcast, I was trying to find people to have conversations with them that would maybe educate and empower and inspire everyone through human experiences. And hopefully I've been able to do that. If you've listened to the podcast before, I hope you've enjoyed it. The feedback that I have had over the last, well, 15 odd months has been excellent. And what I wanted to do then, just after my last podcast, which was actually the most popular out of all of the conversations I had, that was with an old friend, Mickey Coleman. We had a conversation around his Widowmaker heart attack, which he had in March. The survival rate of the Widowmaker is a mere 6%. And me and Mickey had a wonderful conversation in July time where he talked me through where he's at right now with that coming through the Widowmaker and his rehabilitation program. The plan is that I will be speaking to Mickey again on series three so keep your ears pricked for that conversation but what I've done is I have lined up uh, about 10 different people here to speak to us between now and Christmas and as I said the whole idea is to try and you know get something out of these conversations and whenever I was thinking about the first guest for series three um, I came across or I came to the conclusion that uh, it would be the perfect way to kick the series off to have a conversation with a really, really good friend of mine, a really special person. Um, I don't mind saying this, but he's probably uh, one of the strongest people that I have met. Uh, I continue to be inspired by him uh, every day. Uh, he's just a wonderful all-round guy. His story, uh, his life story, his journey is uh, wonderful, it's empowering, it's inspiring, it's just incredible. And you know, whenever I'm struggling, and I've talked about this in my own recovery uh, over the last 15 odd years, um, living with a neurological problem, and you know, for many of those years, I, I was really struggling. And people always kind of ask me, you know, how, how are you able to overcome and how are you able to get back on the horse? and you know, you just keep going. Um, and I understand that that's admirable for some people, but one of my secret weapons around which enables me to do that is I have actually surrounded myself with absolute warriors. Um, some of these people I know and I, I have met and I consider them my friends, others I don't know and they're in what I call my virtual boardroom. And the point I'm trying to get across is that whenever I'm really struggling, I go and find these people, I go onto their social media pages, I, I would maybe even connect with them via email, but their actions and how they live their life have inspired me and continue to inspire me to keep going, to work hard, to live this life of integrity, of purpose, um, and to keep challenging myself and to keep doing things that I, I don't really want to do. Because what I found over the last 15 years is whenever you do things that you don't want to do, it builds an incredible amount of resilience. And after a period of time, it becomes a lifestyle. It becomes normal. So whenever I train for 45 minutes every day, I've just finished another Ironman. I'll maybe speak to you about that um, in Series 3. But whenever I train every day after 28 days, it becomes a habit. And it's now my life that I train 
every day and I work on my health. It's my number one priority. So the point I'm getting to slowly here is that I have a number of people in my network who, who really keep me on track. And the number one go-to person for me is, is my first guest in Money and Plants. And I'm really pleased and delighted to have him on board. Um, whenever I was starting the podcast, I, I knew that we were going to have this conversation at some point in time. So I'm really pleased and privileged to introduce my listeners to the incredible Jack Kavanagh. Jack is an Irish guy, he's 29 years old, he's uh, just an incredible person, um, huge heart, uh, talk about resilience and, and spirit and empathy and all of those things that humans, most humans uh, crave and, and desire, um, Jack has it in abundance. His story's amazing, uh, I'm going to roll the tape here now. And we're going to talk for maybe 25, 30 odd minutes. But I wanted Jack on Series 3 because in my position over the last number of years, one of the gifts of living the life that I do is I have so many people who confide in me, who trust me, who ask me for help and guidance. And from that experience, I realized that there's so much pain and trauma in society. Everyone you meet is fighting something. And the whole purpose of this conversation with Jack is to try and dig into a little bit with Jack and see if he will share with us some of the tools and some of the practices that maybe we can all utilize in our own lives to deal with trauma, to build resilience. How do we do that? What's the best way to go about that? I think there's nobody better to ask than Jack Kavanagh. So let's roll the tape, get a pen and paper ready. I hope you enjoy this conversation and I'll catch up with you right after. Jack Kavanagh, good morning. You're really welcome to Series 3 of Money and Plants. How are you keeping, sir? I am very well. Delighted to be chatting to you. Feeling good. I was on the bike this morning, so uh, feeling energised and uh, have a smile on my face, so it's a good day. You're really welcome to my show. Uh, what I wanted to do was, obviously, uh, we've been really good friends for a few years. Um, I've done a bit of an intro already, so uh, I, I sort of introduced... Um, my network, which is growing um, to yourself and, and your sort of brief story. Um, but what I, what I really wanted to do now is I wanted to sort of ask you, what are you up to at the moment? Um, you, I believe, are back in the professional world of pharmacy, maybe, you're going to tell me. And obviously you're a speaker, you're a coach, and I'm going to share all of your links and stuff after the show. But what's, what's happening in your life now? now? What, what are you up to? Yeah, it's a great question. It's something that I'm trying to keep track of myself. <laughs> um, so lots, lots of good things happening. Um, so yeah, as you said, uh, I do quite a lot of speaking um, around the areas of of resilience and well-being, and I think they're buzzwords. Um, uh, but what does that actually mean? What does it mean to be well and the component parts? um that that can be measured and and changed to to build our well-being and our resilience um i love to explore the idea of diverse abilities um uh, versus disability um 
and what that means for people. And uh, I think it's a much more generative way of thinking about people and people's capacity, um, the diversity of ability that we experience in our own lives and, uh, and in society. So I'm, I'm thinking a lot about that and, and speaking about that. Um, I've been working with a lot of companies on holding space for, for groups, you know, um, workshops and, and holding space for people really to help show up at their best and, and to pick apart what it is that makes them tick as a team or as individuals. Um, so there's some of the things I'm doing on that side of things, but I'm a health professional as well by training and through COVID, I, I really was enjoying the work I was doing in terms of the speaking and facilitating side of things, but it was all online and, yeah. and I love connecting with people. It's the reason I became a health professional in the first place was to be a part of people's, a partner in people's health journey. And I felt like I was missing that face-to-face -face contact and also missing having the team element around me. And so I decided to get back involved in face-to-face -face pharmacy world. And, it, you know, it's been such an anchor over the last couple of months. It's been really refreshing uh, when there's been a lot of flux uh, and, and things changing in the world. It's been, it's been nice, actually, to have uh, a community to be anchored in and to be adding value in a way that feels very tangible. Um, and so those things have been helpful for me. Um, so that's some of what's going on at the moment, but it's it's a good time. I'm excited and uh, about where things are going. And after having maybe a few rocky months with my health, uh, last uh, or at the beginning of this year, uh, I'm in a really good place. And, and I think when you have those moments of uh, the dips, it really puts things in perspective and you appreciate and um, when things are running a bit better. So uh, that's a brief summary. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a good summary. And what I wanted to ask you then is you touched on that you had a few rocky moments with your health. Um, and I suppose for the benefit of, of the listeners, uh, you had a, a life experience uh, in 2012, which is nine years ago. And I'm wondering, would you be kind enough to share that with us um, for a few minutes? Um, and then we Absolutely. sort of, because I want to talk to you about, and um, the main part of uh, what I want to speak to you about today is around dealing with trauma and how do we develop resilience? Absolutely. So I suppose I was in my late 20 or my late teenage years coming into my early 20s and coming out of that sort of period in your teenage years where you're questioning absolutely everything and pushing out against the limits of your comfort zone. And as I questioned and, and challenged myself and the people around me, I started to get a really good sense of who I was as a person. I was happy with where I was going. I was excited about what I was studying. I had just gone into my first year or finished my first year in college. And I, I was finally comfortable with sort of myself. I had this moment on a beach down in the West Coast that I often return to and uh, it was on the first day, uh, one of the first days of that summer working as a lifeguard down there and a windsurfing instructor. And I just found myself on a beach by myself, smiling. And I realized that I was just, for the first time I could really remember becoming comfortable with myself. 
And I think this is like an identity piece that, that was starting to form. And only a couple of weeks later, at the end of that summer, I was on the first day of a holiday with some of my best friends. And as I'd done so many times that day, that week, that summer, I ran down a beach, I dived into the water over a wave and my head collided with the sandbank and I broke my neck. And so, yeah, it was certainly a life experience. Um, time kind of slows down in a moment like that. And I can remember floating up to the surface, completely unable to move. And you start to think about some of the things that are really important, your family, the guys on the beach, I wondered would they get to me and if they didn't, how they might deal with that. And then I just became aware that I was running out of oxygen and I was going to have to take a breath soon and that that was going to be water. And luckily the following day I woke up in intensive care and my head was in a metal cage with weights hanging off the back straight out my spine. I'd broken the fifth vertebrae down in my neck and it had imploded on my spinal cord, which meant that I was paralyzed at the time from the neck down. I was ventilator dependent. I had tubes in my nose and my throat to keep me breathing and hydrated. My body was strapped down to the bed to stop involuntary movements from causing more damage. And, and so that was my starting point. And I can still remember one of the lads walking into the room, Gareth, and he had this smiling but tear-filled face and I couldn't speak and neither could he but from somewhere I just mouthed the words it's going to be okay and I had no idea what that might look like and a couple of hours later when my parents arrived they had flown over and they arrived either side of my bed I just completely broke down and I said I reverted to the childlike state and I just said I did nothing wrong you know this is this is life has happened in a big way to me. And uh, I was really grieving. And so I went from this position of, of the hope that it's going to be okay to facing the, the brutal reality and the harshness of what had actually happened. And uh, over the next couple of years, I navigated the, the journey to where I am, I suppose, today. And we can explore that. Yeah, yeah. And I think you've... Uh, set it out really well and anyone who looks into your story and your website um, and the documentary and all of your work and your TED talks you've done a colossal amount um, in the last nine years and I think in, in relation to my own sort of experience of, of being diagnosed with a chronic illness and going through a period of, of uh, real deep dark illness and, and really dark time it kind of took me to be honest with you Jack about five years um, to sort of uh, deal with it mentally around the acceptance and all of those feelings that you go through whenever you know you're in this different life and I'm just wondering then because obviously that was a, a hugely traumatic uh, event in your life where you know you've broken your neck you've become paralyzed you know how, how long did it take you do you think you said two or three years you know how long do you think that because I want to ask you something else because in relation to that if you if you draw a line from here to here and you're born here and and you, you, the end of your life is here there's traumatic events and important events the whole way up through that line and my view is it's interesting then to see how people react to each of these events some of them good some of them bad some of them traumatic mm. 
So I'm interested in your lifeline then around 2012, you had this traumatic event. And I'm wondering then how long, how long did it take you, do you think, mentally to get back on the horse, to go through the, the emotions and that acceptance, and to then push on really, because you've certainly used that traumatic time in your life, as I would suggest, a kind of launch pad, stroke rocket launcher, into this new world which where, where you now are, which is just incredible. So do you want to touch on yeah. some of that? Yeah, it's a lovely way of phrasing it, and and something that I, an analogy that I often use is, and you've you've done this on screen, but the listeners won't hear, is if you think about our life, we often wonder and think, wouldn't it be wonderful if I had a place I wanted to get to, and if I went from where I am to there in a straight line, but if you think about a heart rate monitor, if you go in a straight line from one side to the other, the game is over, and so the reality of of life is it follows the trajectory of the heartbeat which is just up and down and up and down tracing across the screen and that means that you're you're healthy and, and alive and it's those ups and downs that give you perspective and and they build character and, and all of those things um and we don't have an appreciation for what a joyful moment is if we haven't had a play been in a place of sadness and despair and the list goes on but you said how often does it how long has it taken to sort of get back to a, a place of mental soundness, I suppose. And, you know, grief was something that comes and you go through to different extents over time. And I think the greater level of acceptance you come to, then a little while later, you'll go through it again and you'll peel back the next layer and you'll be confronted again with the vulnerability of, of, the human condition and and the fragility of it and you'll be life will show itself to you again and you go to the next level of of grieving and i think oh it's over time that you become more okay with with your circumstances and when you really uh, recognize the reality of your circumstances that's when you're empowered to make change and to take action and certainly for me that happened as i said in layers um uh, over time and i don't know if you're familiar with the the stages of grief um but but you've got five five different stages and i i may not remember all of them just offhand but first is the denial and then is the bargaining you know if i say a hail mary every minute for the rest of my life will you give me back five percent and um then is the uh, anger and the frustration and, and gradually you move towards a place of acceptance being the final step. But they don't naturally happen in that pattern. You can stay in one state for a period of months or years, or you can get them all together in a day. <laughs> and, um, and that was certainly my experience. And uh, so over time, I, I mentioned identity earlier. I had gotten to a place in my very early 20s. I just turned 20 when I had the injury where I was starting to form an identity that I was comfortable with. And all of the questions that I had grappled with came flooding back again after I had the injury. And I spent the next couple of years really in so many ways that are so basic to our very humanity, trying to put back my life uh, on steady footing. And like a big part of that involved 
getting back to a college environment where I was stimulated intellectually. I was, I was mentally and these different kinds of things. Um, a place where I could bounce up against things and fall over uh, as a college student needs to do. And, and yet I was trying to put my life back together. And so being in that environment where I was supported and could be supported when I needed it um, was a huge piece for me. And I think really, like you said, it took me an initial two years to start to unbox things little by little and to look at different parts of my life that have been affected, whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally, relationships, looking at getting back involved in the outdoors and some of the things that really made me come alive and made me who I was and am and finding new ways to do that. And then bit by bit by bit over time after that, I started to challenge those things and to say, well, why not me? Like so many things I was told I'd never do again. Why not started to become the question that I played with and, um, finding new ways to get involved in those things. And as I started to do that, I started to become more sound mentally. I started to navigate that journey a bit more uh, in a more robust way. And I wasn't just in the fight or flight system anymore. That was running on adrenaline. Um, Or I wasn't just shut down with depression as I was for early periods. I was actually in a position to say, okay, I'm not just reacting here. I'm aware of things. This is not an ideal scenario in any way, shape or form. But you know what? I'm going to take action here to help myself. And and that constructive sort of narrative started to happen. And I moved to a place of what I would term uh, realistic optimism, where I faced the reality, which was a very hard reality, but I took optimistic action mm-hmm. that was constructive and generative in different parts of my life. It's a, it's probably a good time. So whenever people talk about their mental health, it's a very intangible thing. It's very unique to each individual. And then there's your, your physical health. So um, in terms of your own mental health, that's a, it's always very, I think it's a very personal journey. It, it, everyone has to find their path. But in terms of the physical challenges you were facing, it would be a really good time if you shared with my listeners sort of the physical challenges that you were facing at that time you face today and how you were, are, are able to deal and manage that then is that something you're willing to have a brief chat about absolutely some of this i've only actually allowed myself to speak about more openly in more very recent times um there, well this, the first reality is, is that I have about 15% muscle function. So what that means practically is I can move and have active control over my shoulders, my biceps and my wrists. I have no finger function. Um, I have no tricep function. I uh, don't have any movement below my armpits. And that's a very profound thing to happen to a very active young person. Um, that spent his days exploring the world uh, in a very physical way. Um, That was into adventure sports, played rugby, running, um, spent a lot of time in the water with water sports. Um, So that's the first reality. And that's kind of what you see on the surface. But 
my consultant would have said to me in early days, the paralysis is what you see on the surface, but it's the tip of the iceberg. It's really a multi-system disorder. So depending on spinal injury level and um, some of the circumstances, people may have compromised uh, bladder, bowel, um, sexual function, um, blood pressure issues, dysregulation um, in, in terms of uh, circulation and so on. And these are the things that really make um, spinal cord injuries challenging. Uh, people getting pressure sores because they can't feel um, the or the reduced sensation leads them to sort of sitting for too long or sitting in an awkward position that might be causing their body damage. And so these are some of the very real things. And so you have to become a very active participant in your health. Things that people take for granted, you actively have to think about oh God, have I been sitting in this position for more than X amount of time? Wow, I should really shift my weight. Naturally, somebody with full sensation would know to do that. You know, these simple sort of things um, start to become really pervasive in your life. And the reality was at that time that I was this fit, young, independent guy, find myself then in a position where I literally couldn't scratch my nose. And I was... Um, being shown wheelchairs and this was just not a reality that I had thought I would interact with at all and I was from my level of injury being shown all the power wheelchairs and the bells and whistles and I just said no that's that's not the way that I want to go I want to grapple and see how much function that I can reclaim and the reality was after seven months in rehab my level of functioning coming home was that I could just about brush my teeth. Um, I could feed myself uh, when the plate was set up in front of me and uh, I could push my wheelchair in a perfectly smooth environment. Um, since then, I've really had to focus on uh, building my body, maintaining and training the parts of my body that aren't functioning as well as they used to but that are still functioning and very active parts of my body as well as training the parts of my body that that are strong currently um and that has allowed me coupled with adapting my environment in terms of specifically designing a wheelchair getting back driving a car that i've adapted um, having bikes that allow me to explore uh, the outdoors, be it off-road biking or on the road, a variety of different things like this have really allowed me to reclaim huge amounts of my independence and um, put me in a position where now I live a very engaged, very active life where I don't see limitations um, and certainly I don't accept limitations that others would have suggested that might be in place for me in the early days. Yeah, it's 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 pretty powerful and and phenomenal, um, admirable, and all of those. Uh, you know, I'm lost for for words whenever you're talking about the physical challenges that you've come through and continue to go through. I wanted to ask you a question because um, one of the things that 
I've developed over the last 10 years is this virtual boardroom. So I've got um, a number of people in my virtual boardroom, some I know and I'm friendly with, like yourself, others I, I've never met. But these people, um, whenever I'm struggling or low or you know need some energy, re-energized, I, I go to them, I look at their social media pages, I find people who inspire me. I'm just wondering, you know, for people listening who are struggling or challenged physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, how important do you think it it is to maybe have this, you know, you may you may not call it a virtual boardroom, but I'm I'm pretty certain that you have a number of people around you and your network who you get great energy from. I'm just wouldn't mind talking to you about that. You know, I think of it as mentors and um it's been invaluable to, to me. You know, one of the benefits that I had when I was in rehab and in hospital was when I got to the point that I could use a, a touch screen uh, uh, tablet at the time. They weren't iPads or, or anything at that stage, but I was using a tablet and I could start to research. And as I started to research, I looked to the stories of others that had been faced with mammoth challenges uh, in their lives, not necessarily just spinal cord injuries, but people that had taken on huge challenges, be it uh, an explorer or um, the human rights activists or these kinds of pioneers and people um, that did mammoth things. But I looked at the everyday person as well. And, you know, the mother, that single mother that puts food on the table and, and works a job um, and raises kids that can be really, she can be really proud of and uh, creates a loving environment. Like that takes incredible tenacity and grit and perseverance uh, in the face of ongoing struggles. And, and I just think there's stories everywhere that we look you know, of human resilience and adaptability. And at that time, I looked around and I looked at others in particularly in similar scenarios to me and outside of that for guidance. I would be unashamedly reaching out to people um, and asking uh, very practical questions in terms of how to do X, Y and Z, what helped uh, in terms of equipment or training styles or or therapy modalities in the context of spinal injuries, I would reach out to others and talk about the mental game or navigating the emotional uh, landscape of it. Uh, there was people I used to touch base with on, on the inner game and my uncle being one of them. And he had, uh, he had me visualizing little teams uh, of, of, uh, dwarfs or not dwarfs uh, smurfs uh, they're called um, inside my body going around rewiring the different parts and muscles and I would send you know the green team out to my arm and I would send the orange team out to my leg and and I, I'd have uh, runners going down to see what was happening in my big toe and you know so I started having in sort of internal world uh, working, uh, workings being inspired from others that were doing similar work, and and so I looked to all these different people. And the beauty of it is, is uh, yes, I reached out to many of them, but there were so many of them that had no idea 
that they were a huge part of my journey. And I would observe them, like you said, from, from near and from afar. Uh, many of them, I would read their books or listen to interviews or, or watch videos of, of those people. And I'd lean on the strength and perseverance that they showed when I didn't have it maybe within myself. And there's a beautiful phrase that I heard and, and over time it just shows itself to be truer and truer to me, which is resilience doesn't always lie within us. It often lies between us. And the people that you draw resilience from or perseverance from or, or the desire to continue, they don't even need to know that they're giving you that. Yes, it might be the hug that your mum gives you or uh, a best friend picking up the phone or turning up when you really need them. But often when we're left in the quiet and the door closes and you have to face yourself um, and that there's those times when you maybe feel that you don't just have it within you. The people that you look to don't even need to know that they're part of your team. And I think that can be really powerful. I think you made a, a really good point and I, I've actually written about this before. Um, some people think that they have to look at authors or sports people or other people who might be famous or well known for inspiration. But actually there's 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 heroes everywhere. Um regularly in people's families and neighbours, you know, business people in society, people who you, meet, you might look up to in your in your street. Um, they really are everywhere, but sometimes um, people can't see that. And I think it's often what I've found through the medium of podcasting is whenever you give yourself that time and space to listen to information and, and conversations like this, it actually can allow people to stand back and think about simple things of which we have just discussed and and through that then that can create an incredible amount of change in people's lives that simple uh, experience of 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 listening uh, and then looking for maybe people closer to home who can help inspire and empower you i wanted to finish with asking you uh, one final question um you you've written that uh, you care about people uh, living lives of courage purpose and integrity and I'm genuinely interested in, in why that is important to you. Mm. Courage because, you know, in, in anything in our life, it takes bravery to begin, you know, when we're going to make a change or face a challenge or ask the question or whatever it might be, it takes bravery to get to begin, but it takes courage to continue. And that's really important to me. Um, purpose, because it's very closely linked to meaning, you know. Why do you do the things you do? And I think it's important to think about that. And that looks different for everyone. You know, you're, you're a father. That might be the reason Yes, you're a successful businessman. Yes, you're a successful athlete. But the reasons now that you do those things might be different 
than before you had kids. And those kids might be the purpose that you realize it's important that you invest in your health and that you're driven to succeed in business because you want to provide a good life for them. It'll look different for everyone, but thinking about why do you do the things you do? And that can be a huge motivator. And integrity, I think, is really important. Um, integrity is when the things that you, you do, the things you say you'll do. And I think it's really about as much about honesty with yourself as honesty with people around you. And that's not always an easy thing. Um, I think on integrity, I think I would add one piece in. You do the things that you say you would do when nobody's watching. I've seen that somewhere and I think it's something that has to be practiced um daily but um it's it's uh courage purpose and integrity are are three are three characteristics that i think are incredible um difficult challenging but worthwhile exercises jack where can people connect with you where can we find out about this exciting empowering world that you live in what's the best place to where's the best place to find you so there's a number of places you can turn to if you want to get in touch or check anything out. The first is uh, online. My handle is Jack Kavanagh, I-R-L for Ireland. Um, and you'll get me on all the social platforms. You can turn to my website, jack-kavanagh.com. And if you want to check out the documentary Breaking Boundaries, you'll find it there as will the podcast is also there, which is called The Only Human Podcast, and that's on all usual platforms. And if you'd love to get in touch, I'd be delighted to hear from you. So, Connor, thank you so much for having me. Excellent. Well done. Uh, we'll talk to you again and hopefully see you in person soon. Jack Kavanagh, that was fantastic. Thank you. Hey everyone, that was a conversation I had with my good pal, Jack Kavanagh. And I don't know about you, but uh, I certainly uh, got a lot out of speaking to Jack. Um, I think, just to recap, I think his experiences in life to date, uh, such a young man, he's still uh, under 30. And what he has went through in his short life how he has adapted to the changes in his life and then how he lives his life now is uh, absolutely and totally empowering and inspiring. I hope you get something out of that conversation. I think it's really important uh, that we all acknowledge that we will all go through traumatic events in our life and the trick then and the key has to be how each of us react to these events because it's how you, you react to the events which will ultimately uh, decide upon your own trajectory in life and I think at times it can be touch and go because some of us choose the wrong path take the wrong path and that can lead to further pain and anxiety and some of us take the right path 
and all I'm trying to do with these kinds of conversations is to share other people's experiences on, on paths that they take and uh, how they live their life and how they've reacted to change and I think there was nobody better to kick off series 3 of the podcast than for me to share with you a person who I have got an incredible amount of strength from over the last number of years um, I keep in touch with Jack I often look at what he's up to on social media and I mean the guy is just something else his commitment to uh, improving other people's lives is really the standout thing for me about Jack a lot of people you come across in life it's all about them it's all about him um, my observation of Jack would be it's it's all about you it's all about everyone else and I think the journey he is now on with his coaching and his speaking really is a testament to the type of person that he has become. If you enjoyed the podcast, reach out to me, Connor at connordevine.com. You can check my website. Uh, I have got uh, a number of conversations of Series 1, Series 2. You may want to check them out. If you want to reach out to me, drop me a message. But until next time, look after yourselves. And if you call my name, then I'll be there.